Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm Cesar Hernandez. I'm your host for today in a discussion of all things Mexican football. I'll be the Tata Martino of the evening, and tonight I'm joined by a couple of other noteworthy figures in the Mexican soccer world. So let's first introduce the Carlos Vela of the podcast, someone who is undoubtedly talented but has also recently been absent, and we're all wondering when he was going to return. So it's Tom Marshall. Tom Welcome back to the pod after your vacation. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Uh, just still still recovering a little bit, but um, <laughs> but back in back in the rhythm and yeah, good to good to chat a bit about the old the old Mexican football, isn't it? <laughs> Welcome back, uh, Senor. How does it feel to win the the MVP uh, for, for MLS award? It's just very season? easy, to be honest. It's very <laughs> easy. The defenses are terrible, and I just <laughs> walked my way. I didn't even have to sprint. I didn't do a sprint. I just glided. I just glided around the defenses and uh, scored seventy-five goals. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got uh, the Raúl Jiménez of the Mexican Soccer Show. She's a fantastic striker that has also been known to wear Club América colors in the past. It's Amy Lopez. Amy, how you doing? Hopefully, that was. Uh, a, a, I was trying to figure out who you would be in the Mexican national team. I, mean, I feel like I feel like Raúl Jiménez would definitely be there, right? Striker. You like has worn global medical colors in the past. It's and clever. Also hello. It's, it's a right? quick, it's a quick, it's a quick little clever thing. Yeah, I'll give you that. But I don't score as many goals as Raul does, unfortunately. I'm more <laughs> a really disappointing striker lately. Uh, Cesar, I haven't talked to you in forever. It's good to talk to you again. I know, right? Uh, I haven't chatted with you since yesterday. Since yes. uh, we we both went to go see Cholos Femenil versus Rayadas. Uh, yep. That was actually my first league of Mexican Femenil game, and I was at your yours too. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We actually recorded a podcast as well. I know, right? And we got some tacos too, although I'm very, very disappointed. And I think a lot of people in the San Diego, Tijuana region are we really disappointed to know that we went to Tacos El Frank and Amy did not get the adobada. She got lengua and asada and it was it was pretty disappointing. I, you let me try the, the, I still can't say that word and I'm not even going to try, but you, you let me try the tacos that you had. So they weren't bad. And the lengua tacos were amazing. They were fantastic. So I'm not too mad at my choice. Okay. All right. Well, let's get started on the show. I disagree with Amy. Chronicles. Yeah. Have you guys seen that? It's so good. I was telling Amy about it. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I'm, I'm working my way through things. it, but it's, um, it has kind of... Because, you know, I've been here a while, so, you know, you, you eat the tacos and all that, but then it's like, it gives you the, the story behind them, and it's pretty pretty fascinating, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in Mexico City, they've got tacos al pastor all over the place, and, like, they're just on the spinning stick, and you just think, yeah, yeah, they just throw some meat on there, and, you know what I mean? But then, like, the preparation that goes into making it, and it's pretty pretty fascinating, so, yeah, good, good show. Tom, one of the taquerias that they bring up in the Taco Chronicles, that's the place that we went to last night uh, in Tijuana. Oh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Although I was I was telling Amy, though, like when I was watching Taco Chronicles, and I guess I had this discussion with Amy yesterday as we were walking around Tijuana, I was like, dang, it made me feel like such a bad Mexican because there was so little. I, know, I thought I knew a lot about tacos. And then I watched that. I was like, wow, there is so much I still have to learn about tacos after watching Taco Chronicles. <laughs> but... Anywho. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. No, it's fascinating. It's, it's interesting though. It's like it's like all the different states, it's so different, you know. But yeah. back to the football as well, it's like you go to the stadiums and outside the Mexican stadiums is is, is very diverse, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, in terms of what you can what you can get. Um, you know, so you know, Torta, Algada in Guadalajara outside the Jalisco and Monche, you know, in, in, and then in 
um, you know, the Samitas in, in Puebla, then you got Leon, and then you got Michoacan, Carnitas, and all that. I don't know. Like, got, even outside the stadiums, LA. you get the. LA's got King Taco. LA's yeah. also yeah. got the. It's not even a taco at all, but you also have the Taco bacon Bell. Wrap hot. Taco you, got, Bell. <laughs> you got the bacon. You got the bacon wrapped hot dogs in LA, actually. But uh, but speaking. That'd be of, funny if the last episode of Taco Chronicles was just Taco Bell. Let's let's go through the big question of the day, and uh, here it is: There are only two jornadas left in the Liga Mikey season. Who do you believe is the current title? favorite let's start with amy who's the current oh, title favorite I, I i have no idea like i don't want to like it's i think you guys talked about this on the last episode like you look at the top like three teams and you're just like no no those can't be favorites but i don't know i think if you have to pick a team from the top three i don't want to go with tigres i'm not going to say tigres so i'm going to go with santos i'll say santos it seems okay. like it seems like they would be the favorites right now I don't know. I'm kind of thinking Tigris. What are you thinking, oh, Tom? God. Yeah, Tigris. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! It's just they're, just, they're just messing around at the minute. And then when it gets to yeah. the, you know, when it gets to the playoffs, then there'll be, you know, I'd like to see Leon make a run, you know. Then I'd um, say America, if we're going to say, like, they're just messing around, so to speak. America's got their full squad back. Okay, then I'll say America. Yeah. No, I think with America, that's massive. I mean, you know, Nico Castillo coming back into it now. It just gives people a lot more, you know, more options, and and you know he struggled, he struggled with injuries all season. Like a different people have been out, um, and now all of a sudden it's like coming to the, you know, to the to the bigger games. And now um, they should get it together, but it's not been it's not been kind of a, a smooth season for America at all. Um, and it's just now can they, can they kind of refocus and get themselves together, um, you know, ahead of the the really big games. So, but yeah, I, I think I'd go Tigres first. Um, and then I'd go America, and then Leon and Santos kind of joint third. Um, yeah. I don't know history. I don't know. It's it's difficult to. I don't know. Necaxa, Querétaro have been absolutely brilliant. Uh, Morelia were kind of on the rise and playing really well now. But it's difficult to make the argument. You know, over you know over the course of you know six games, which is which is the three, you know, the quarters, the semis and the final, then it's difficult to make the case that they can, that they'll, they'll do it against, you know, better, better opposition, top quality opposition. So yeah, those are my top three. Yeah. I think, I think the Igatos, I mean, they, it seems like they're not dominating, but I think they're qu- very quietly doing well. They haven't lost in their last six. And Duca is definitely the kind of manager that has plenty of experience when it comes to these situations. You assume Gignac is going to step up. And I think what's definitely misleading about Thigidus is that, yeah, you look at the league table and you're like, oh, they're in fourth place. You expect them to be doing better. But, I mean, they've, they've got 28 points. They're, they're in a basically i mean they're, they're, lost they're two games of 16 yeah exactly yeah i mean they've, they've only they've only allowed 13 goals and what's confusing is like oh they're in fourth place it's like yeah but necaxa and queretaro like they also have 28 points as well you know it's not like tigres is actually like head and shoulders like or it's not like necaxa queretaro are head and shoulders above tigres they just have done pretty well this season and i think that yeah with the the six the six game streak they're on without a uh, you know, without a loss, I think they're definitely going to step up here at the end of the season. And you're going to see, I mean, as expected, perhaps even Gignac, uh, you know, do a little bit better in Ligia. But sometimes it's tough to tell Gignac because I think that obviously he's not at his peak form that we saw in what, like 
2016, 2017, but he's still at his best, you know, the top striker, top player, I would say, in, in Liga MX. I don't yeah. say we I don't yeah. say we count that Veracruz win as part of that streak you guys are talking about. We don't count that. One. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I mean I mean I guess we could we could jump into it. I mean, let's just let's just uh get into the first topic of the night, which is Liga MX. And I mean, let's just continue talking about the title favorites because I mean, Tom mentioned a few other names there, but Amy, what else, what other names come to mind for you? I mean, it, would, it, would it also be Santos? Would you also think about America if we're, if we're looking at some of the title favorites? Yeah, I'd like I mean, like just like Tom said, uh, America's struggling. I think Nico Castillo coming back and scoring was huge for him. I think it's huge for the club. Gio's said to come back soon. Uh, his his whole season has been kind of you know shaky as well. But if they're in full form in time for Ligia. Um, just like Tigres, they can make, they could kind of wake up when the time is right and, you know, kind of capitalize on that. But I, I think I would also kind of put Leon up there, too, um, just because they, they are a good team. Um, sometimes they don't live up to the expectations in Ligia, but I would I would consider them one of them, too. And of course, Santos, like I said earlier. I feel like Club America this season just been synonymous with the word injury. Like every time I think about yeah. them, like it's just like injury after injury after injury. So. Yeah, I, I think that maybe at 100%, like, we'd be talking about them a little differently. But even after those injury problems, like, they're still doing quite well. I know they have a game in hand over most other teams. They've already played 17 games. But that's pretty impressive that they even after those injury problems, that they still have 28 points. And I'm saying, and I know it's tough to be like, oh, it's impressive to see what they've done after they lost to uh, the Santos, you know, recently. But still, no, I, 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 I think that that's definitely a team that I just, yeah, associate with just injury issues. Yeah, I yeah. think the only issue with America, though, too, it could be seen as an advantage. I kind of see it as a disadvantage is that their last game is against Veracruz. You know, there's not that's not it could be a motivating factor, but it's not exactly something that you considering they're going to have a bye week. You kind of go into with confidence like you're kind of expected to be Veracruz, given who Veracruz is and given who America is. So I don't know. You couple that with the fact that they're going to have a bye week before they go into the league. Yeah, it, 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 can, it can go either way, obviously. Right. But. It also depends, yeah. given given their inconsistency. Yeah, I mean they're gonna be they're gonna be fresh because you've got the you've got the game this weekend, um, and I'm actually going to actually I think I'm going I'm going to Veracruz, um, so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there. So then they've got the Veracruz game, and then they're not gonna play from from November eighth until what's it gonna be like no, like November twenty six, yeah, twenty seven. 27 so that's you know a 20 21 days 21 day break in the middle of the season it's not it's not ideal is it i mean the, the way the hey, it, was, done with it worked for this. lafc tom it worked for lafc <laughs> yeah really great that wasn't it no but i mean they, they will be fresh though and i think that for example leon i think last season that's what that's what did for him i mean um that final against tigre i just think they ran out of steam i just think they were absolutely just they, they weren't used to it. So, so America coming in, I don't know. I think the team knows knows each other really well. So, I'm not sure it'll be a massive issue. It might it might actually be an advantage. But um, no, we'll see. We'll see with America. I mean, Jorge Sanchez back as well. I think he's big. I worry about Paul Aguilar. I think he's just in decline right now. I think Piojo has got a decision to make. Um, you know, is he going to continue with him at right back because he looks like a bit of a liability right now? Um, you know, last week he makes he make he just make, he's making mistakes. He doesn't look like he's, you know, he's at that level. Um, and and yeah, what else with America? So yeah, I mean, they've only lost three games though as well. I just think everything with with Tigres and America, uh, especially America, it's just 
you know, it's under the microscope, it's under the magnifying glass, sorry, all the time. And anything that happens, it's America, it's America this, America that. And honestly, that game against Santos last last Saturday, you know, after for most of the game, America were the better team. You know, it was fairly even early on. And then America, I thought, started to dominate. They got the goal. Um, and then obviously a couple of mistakes and, and America's bad finishing, basically. I mean, America had the chances there to, to finish that game. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm not I'm not too down about America to be honest. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, just just the, the other thing that I think is interesting about this group of teams is like nobody would have thought. I mean, let's see how it turns out the last couple of weeks, but the next couple of weeks. But I mean, you know, this isn't. I mean, Nakaxa, Caretero are already in there. Morelli are very, very got a very good chance now. Tijuana have got a decent chance as well. I mean. Nobody thought this before the end of the, before the season. So that there's chances, you know, a club like America now and Tigres and even especially Santos, I think, um, they've got a big big chance to to go and get to get a title. And obviously they would be saying that other way, other way, and anyway. But um, I just I don't think I just think things have opened up a lot for those bigger teams now. The teams that are used to playing Liga, the teams that are built to win a title, which with full respect, I don't think Nakax and Caretero and Morelia and even Tijuana are necessarily built to win a title. They're, be, they're built to kind of challenge, they're built to get in the, the playoffs, but but it's the America and the Tigres, I think, um, and, and the Santos even, they've got that experience of being in the Liguilla and the, I, I just think it's a, it's a massive opportunity this now. Is, is it too simple of a thing to say that and maybe I'm just being influenced because you know when I was scanning like the Mexican sports papers, all I saw was just an angry Piojo face on like half of them. Like, yeah. is, is 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 it too simple to say that like Piojo could be a big negative factor here for for America? Just because and I know it's once again it's like a stereotypical thing to say like oh Piojo's losing control, oh Piojo's getting kicked out of games. Like, but I mean that's that's not a that's not that's not a good thing for 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 America if he's still acting like this heading into the playoffs or if he acts like yeah. this during a playoff like is that is, is it too is it too simple to be like oh an angry piojo if he continues to do this stuff America won't win the title I don't, I don't know am I, am I, am I just I being influenced by the paper yeah. No, I don't think it's too simple. I think it's just a risk that comes with Bioko, so to speak, right? I mean, the, the America is a decent team. Tom said it himself. They only lost three games, but then you do get these antics that kind of. I wouldn't say lose control necessarily, but like you just said, you go into the Liga and you get kicked out of a, an important game. It's going to impact your team. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think I think they know Piojo, and I think they know what they're getting into. Um, I mean, he's not going to change. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. Everyone's saying he's going to change. Hugo Sanchez, I think, said it best. He said it. He said the other day, "If you hire Piojo, you know what you're getting." You know, obviously try to steer him as best you can, but you know what you're getting, in, and it's it's proven the case. But I, I don't think it's going to affect the team in terms of the playoffs because everybody knows him. The players know him. He is what he is. Um, and let's not forget they won the title last de- December as well. So it's not like it's not like it's been a massive drought or anything. It's it's America is still up there as one of the best clubs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there are other interesting clubs. I mean, the fact that. Santos, Nacaxa, and Caretero are the top three is absolutely amazing, to be honest. Yeah. And and yeah. the way that those teams have put together the squads, the managers they've got, you know, the way they've gone about it is, you know, I think I think that's I think it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, I don't know. 
you do you do have to give Santos credit too, because so, like I think it's really easy to just look at the roster and be like, oh yeah, there you go. It's just it's just Julio Forge like knocking in the goals. But you see the team that surrounds him. Like some of those players have done exceptionally well. I would say that. I mean, I was kind of looking at some of the top names from Liga Mekis so far this season, and I would say that Brian Lozano is probably one of my favorites. If I had to choose an MVP so far this season, I would say that you definitely have to include him. This guy's eight goals and six assists in 16 games. To have someone that well-rounded in the attack and to have someone who's just really just like a crucial part of their final third, I mean, that's just that's just so crucial for, for a team like that. And yeah, once again, I think you can give Julio Forch a lot of credit, but... To have someone like Brian Lozano, you know, in that season he's been having, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's maybe not that much of a surprise that Santos have been doing incredibly well. Yeah, no, they're, they're smart. They're a smart club. I mean, look at the, the midfield, Goriaran, um, the Uruguayan. I mean, he's yep. had an absolutely sensational season. Uh, I went to the game on Saturday with a couple of my friends who've come over from England, and they, one of them was just like the number 11. He's the best player. And it's like, He's been absolutely brilliant, and it's like he's gone under the radar. Nobody talks about him, but he's he's just he looks like one of the best midfielders in the league, and he's only been here a few months. And like you said, Cesar, then I mean, Brian Lozano is he's just dangerous. He's causing trouble. Um, I think Almada has been an absolute breath of fresh air for the league. Yeah. I mean, the the way he sets the team up. Um, he's one of those managers that just he's not afraid to get rid of players that he doesn't like. I mean, Gaito Vasquez, where's he? Where's he been? You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is a guy who's won titles wherever he's been, including Santos. And he's not he's just not playing. And he's decided for Ulises Rivas in his place. You know, um up front he's he's decided on most of the games, um, Adrian Lozano. You know, th- these are decisions that it's like that's left field decision. You know, you're not playing the players that you kind of you're supposed to play in terms of you know, they were there for the squad. But, you know, Valdez, Diego Valdez, who yeah. I think has been a great player, really great, really good for Morelia. Um, and Eric Castillo. Be- I, I, didn't, I didn't think that when he was at Cholos, I was like, ah, this guy, he's, I, I don't really, you know, trust him. I don't think he's really that good of a player. And I've been like, one of the things I've been more impressed about is just like, is how Santos have been able to like morph this guy into like a crucial starter for the for the team because I feel like every time I look at the starting eleven, Eric Castillo is out there and he has yeah. I think he has a like a handful of goals and assists as well. So that's really really impressive to see Santos have been able to basically like help develop this one player to help kind of like you know you know mold him into a, a better winger because I wasn't impressed by him at all. I didn't think he was that good when he was with Scholes, but he's been fantastic with Santos. Yeah, honestly, the the decision making in terms of the. The making of the squad is fascinating because they do it while not spending money. I mean, Orantia. Did anybody think that Orantia, when you saw him at Pumas, and I think was it was it Puebla? I can't remember now. But when he was Pumas, I don't. Nobody. And, and all of a sudden, he's the starting right back ahead of Abella. Yeah. You know, Hugo yeah. Rodriguez. I think yeah. most people would have, would have assumed that his career is basically over, maybe down in the second division. You know, he definitely hasn't shown anything. I think he was at Pachuca last. He definitely hasn't shown anything in the last. I mean, at least on the surface, because obviously Santos have seen something. He doesn't seem like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a starting centre back for a team that's going to be finished the regular season top. It really wasn't, and and they got rid of um, uh, Nervo to, yeah. to Atlas. They, they got rid of him to Atlas. They got rid of left back Angulo as well to Santo to Atlas. Sorry, and then they come in with Hugo Rodriguez, Arantia right back. You know, it's like uh, Doria, the Brazilian, who, who he did have a good season last season, but I don't know. That that's the it's 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 very impressive how they've molded that squad. But at the same time, I think we can say something similar 
you know, Nakaxa as well. I mean, I think yeah. I think there's the one thing to point out about these top, especially two teams. I, I don't know quite as much about Queretaro. I'm not going to, you know, kind of start making making stuff up. But, you know, Santos and Nakaxa are teams that they're very rational in that transfer market. They're making money yeah. in the transfer market. You know, they're not losing money. These And, and not only that, but the the top the top of the league. I mean, it's it, I think it's a kind of it's almost a newer model of League MX club. These two now, um, you know, Nakaxa. I think it's quite well documented. Know what they've done, and you know, you look at that Kiroga. You know, the guy I was going to say it helps a lot when you up. have Kiroga. Kiroga. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where did he come from? You know what I mean? Why didn't you know what I mean? Any other team could have got that player, and then suddenly they plucked him from nowhere, and that uh, Maximiliano Salas. You know, you know they've got that player in as well. You know what I mean? And they, you know, Victor Davila a year ago or so, you you know they sell him on to Pachuca for big money. You know, a 20, 21 year old Chilean. Um, I know he's been injured, so he's not had a great season. But I mean, you know, these are this is really really good decision making in terms of how how to run. Um, and Caretero, I think that. You know, it, it seems like they've just invested in in the manager. I mean, Vucic isn't doesn't come cheap. You know, you pay big money for for to get Vucic into your club, um, and you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, if you look at that that Carretero squad as well, I mean, who you wouldn't look at that squad on paper. There's no way and say, oh yeah, this is a squad that's gonna kind of be up there. But then you look at kind of Romo, the kind of whole is you know. Vucicic has moved him from, from defence to a holding midfield role. You know, Perez, the Colombian, I mean, it's they've got some really good players. Um, and Vucicic is getting the absolute, he's getting a lot out of them. So, you know, I don't know, it's, it's interesting to see. I think it's been, you know, because obviously, you know, we, we all know what it's like with the press and stuff. And, and we do it as well. Well, I do anyway, so I'm not going to speak for you guys. But, you know, you tend to speak about Chivas and America and Tigres, but... I think actually this season that the story has been these these lesser clubs spending a lot less and bringing in players that you just didn't you know you you don't think they were going to do anything and then all of a sudden um, the the top three in the league and I think it's it's a, I think it's a real breath of fresh air for the for the league to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm still not convinced by Querétaro, and I'm saying that with full knowledge that they have 28 points, that they're in third place right now. But just there's something about them. I don't know, and, and I can't even like. I wish I had some sort of like deep analysis on this on Querétaro, but basis just off the one game that I saw them go up against Cholos, so I just wasn't really that impressed by them. But your I've heart exp- is telling you no. There you go. My heart is telling me that. But I think one team that we haven't maybe talked about enough. I mean, I guess we're basically just going through all of the top eight now. But I feel like <laughs> we gotta. I, I think we. I think if we were to talk about some dark horses, if we were to talk about other teams, uh, you know, under the radar teams that I could potentially do well, I think it's Leon. You know, just because what, what I, I, the radar, I think they're under the radar. I, th- I don't. Th- I don't think people really consider them like a, a title favorite. I feel. I, 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 but at the same time, I just. I when when you look at that roster, I'm just impressed by the amount of like goal scoring options that they have. You know, whether it be Macias or whether it be Mena or whether it be Sosa or sometimes you know. You know, Luis Montes, or I mean, he hasn't. Joel he hasn't, Campbell. Yeah, exactly. You know, he hasn't been perfect, but also the Leonardo Ramos. You know, who's I on just the bench. feel like the I just feel like the Macias factor doesn't put them necessarily under the radar. But maybe I'm just arguing some things at this point. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I agree with you, Amy. I don't think they're under the radar, but yeah, you know, they're not. It's not one of those clubs that is is getting the headlines all the time. But I mean. Leon played really good football as well. I mean, I think that goes that might that might go under the radar a little bit. I mean, 
the and and I think they're a lot better position this season than last season. You know, I think last season, um, you know, they had a couple of injuries going into the playoffs, and you know, I think I think they had a good transfer market last time round because I think they brought in, you know, they brought in the players, they brought in Sosa, who you know came off the bench the other day, um, they brought in Ramos, so that then all of a sudden you've got you've got a bit of respite, um, you know, and you've even got Godinez from Chivas on the bench, you know, um, and so yeah, Ivan Rodriguez is back in there. Um, I think we might see him again in the in the next Mexico squad. So yeah, I, I think I think Leona right up there, and I hope they do well because I think you know it's good. Nacho Ambriz I think has done a great job there. He's kind of transformed his reputation almost, hasn't he? Really as well um, into this kind of swashbuckling, you know, manager who plays really good football. And and to be honest, Leona for me one of the best teams uh, to watch in Liga MX right now. All right, guys. Well, it's already, I think it's like 25 minutes into the pod. We've just been talking about the title favorite, so we should probably move on. Let's end. Speaking no, just, about... Uh, oh, just, go ahead. Quick, just quickly. No, just the other thing about... I know, well, I don't know. Probably don't need to say it right now, but in terms of the playoffs, but you look at the teams and you, you just, you're just thinking, <clears throat> it's going to be exciting. I mean, right. usually you get a couple of teams, you know, Cruz Azul, Monterrey, who sometimes in the last few years haven't necessarily been the most attacking. But I mean, if, if you look at... You know, Santos Laguna, high press. They leave so much space behind. I mean, fair play to them. They do take a risk, and it's worked out. But they leave a lot of space behind. And if you can get past that initial press, they basically leave you one on one at the back. And so they always give you a chance. And I think that's why that's why they've conceded 22 goals. But you know, Tigres obviously we know about the possession football. You know, Tigres Santos. Imagine that in you know America attacking, Leon attacking, Morelia right now, who under Guede. Is has been transformed. I mean, they they're playing again another team playing good football, you know. And if they sneak into the playoff, then you never ever know. You know what I mean? Um, but maybe it's your team, Cesar, that that is the and and you know possibly in a catcher as well. But but you know Tijuana under Pareja, who I think is that a lot, quite a lot more um, conservative, maybe pragmatic's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, the issue with Tijuana though is that like they tend to struggle away from home i guess that's kind of been a consistent story with tijuana and it, the issue with tijuana is that i wouldn't be surprised if they don't actually qualify for the playoffs because i feel like pareja still doesn't know what his ideal 11 is and he's still kind of like messing around the roster and I, I i don't think he's because i think some people can make the argument that yeah he's actually kind of just like rotating his options and you know maybe he does have a little bit more of a game plan but i feel like he still doesn't know exactly what his best 11 is and I think when he's kind of like messed mess with the roster a little bit, and I think when he's tried a few different defensive options, I think that's when we've seen them struggle. And that's why they lost to Juarez. I think that's why yeah. also why they lost to Santos. You know why? Um, is, he, they, is, he, is he leaving for Orlando? Or? That's, the, that's the rumor. But I really, really, I mean, if we're going to talk a little bit about Cholos here, I, and I'm not saying this because, like, once again, I don't, but I try not to root for any Liga Mackey's teams. But I do want to see with Cholos. I just want to see them stick with the manager for at least, like, for at least like a, a year and a half or two years, because they've never stuck with a manager for a full two years. And I know it's a really young team, so it's a really small sample size. But I felt like Bareja would have been the kind of guy, because of his, you know, his experience uh, with developing a youth academy over at FC Dallas. I thought he'd be the kind of guy who could kind of revolutionize things with Scholz's academy. But if the if the rumors are true that he does go back to Major League Soccer, I think that's really disappointing because I think they could really build something interesting there. But uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think yeah. I think after after a year, I feel like 
that's like a lifetime in Liga Mekis terms, you know? Like, it's just like, <laughs> like any Liga Mekis coach after about a year, it's like they kind of, I know, it's like there's some sort of like, like, I don't know, it's like it's it's like at that point, like they've been given enough time for whatever reason. But I, I really yeah. do hope do he the, sticks do, around. Do the, the fans like him? Uh, I think right now what a lot of fans are feeling like is like because of the upcoming match against uh, Monterrey, I, th- I think they still feel kind of like nostalgic towards Turco Mohamed. And I think that he has yet. I think that Barek has yet to really truly win over the fans. But I think the fans could be a little fickle sometimes too with Tijuana. Yeah. And I think they they do tend to look back a lot on that time that Piojo had, you know, away Sholos, which is really well. They tend to look back a lot on the time that uh, Turco had. But I think that 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 Barek has yet to really win them over. But I think it's also a little tough when you know it's not like he's going out there. You know, playing like extremely high pressing, extremely attack minded soccer. You know, sometimes it's just, you know what, it's four four two. Let's have some numbers sit back and uh, play kind of, you know, conservatively. And I, I think because that's not exactly winning people over. I know it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's been tough. But I, although I am gonna disagree with Tom, though. I th- actually, Tom, I agree with everything you said about the the playoffs being potentially pretty exciting and you know all those new teams. But analytics aside. I guess it'd be interesting to see the ratings numbers for if, if it was Necaxa versus Morelia. Yeah. Yeah, from that point of view, yeah, 100%. It's going to be, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the other story of the season. I mean, that's the flip side of of, of that that same story. I mean, again, it's, it's difficult because you've got a couple of rounds of matches to go, but, you know, potentially to have Pumas, Pachuca, Monterrey, Cruz Azul, Chivas and Puebla. Oh, no, sorry, and Toluca. Um, all outside is absolutely amazing, to be honest. I mean, it's yeah. that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you've got two, two of the top four in terms of wage spending that look like they're not going to be in the playoffs with you know Monterrey and, and Cruz Azul. Then you've got Chivas who just continue continued to not have a good time. Um, and I'm sure Pumas and Pachuca were, were hoping, but yeah, obviously they'll still be they're still in the mix. But yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the the other story if. If things hold up, I mean, don't get me wrong. If if you know all of a sudden Pumas and Monterrey get in that seventh and eighth spot, um, and then you know you've got you know you've got a couple more of the the bigger teams, then that might change. But it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks because it's it's normally in League of MX it does throw a twist on it. Yeah, although I make jokes about that, but people would still probably watch more people would probably watch Santos or Cholos in the quarterfinals than the MLS Cup final. Uh, would they really? Ooh. Would they really? Would they really? You're an MLS hater, sister. No, I'm not a hater. I just, you know what? I just like Throw to make in the bands. I just like to make fun of everyone. I just like to make fun. I literally yeah. just wrote, I just wrote something for MLS earlier this week, so whatever. I was impressed by the LA, uh, FC, LA Galaxy numbers. Yeah. Did well. Yeah. yeah. The issue is that's like you, you, you got to have consistent numbers like that. It's like everybody. The issue kinda... is Seattle versus Toronto is going to be like a third of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's it's interesting, but um, no, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the League of MX TV numbers, but um, yeah, we'll see. See how it goes. I feel like we should move on to L3 stuff. We've got a, a Mexico squad coming up because we have uh, Nations League matches against Panama, against Bermuda uh, in November. So we'll probably see some names later on this week. So, Amy, what are your what are your thoughts on the upcoming squad? Do you kind of want to see what we saw last time? Like, it's just 
a few Europeos mixed in with young guys and Liga MX talent because I'm I'm a big fan of that. I, I, I think I, I feel good. like that's where it's going, right? Like Tata said last time, he's definitely going to switch it up this time around. He's gonna. I think we use this time as much as possible, yeah, to give the to give the younger side uh, a bit of an opportunity. We saw that against uh, Bermuda, and that worked out pretty well. I think Panama was a little was a little bit more difficult, but yeah, why not? Let's let's do it for them. It's November. Let them have the opportunity to kind of uh, capitalize on it. Yeah, and why not? Get, I mean, I mean, I've I've made jokes too. About, we've all made jokes about it. It's just like sometimes you see the schedule for old three, and you just think that yeah, this <laughs> it's almost like more of a club team uh, than a national team. You know, with the amount of games that they have to take part in, the amount of tra- and the, the travel alone is is you know pretty incredible, <laughs> especially for some of those uh, Europeos. So why not give those Europeos a break? I highly doubt Mexico's going to have any issues against Panama or Bermuda because they didn't have that many issues last month. Mexico already has two wins in the Nations League, so I think he could continue to kind of look at those alternative options. And more importantly, just to figure out the depth for the national team and to also kind of prep for some of the to prep some of those guys uh, for the Olympics next year. I know there is also the younger Olympics roster, and when a lot of fans were angry that someone like Alexis Vega was in the senior roster. You know, they did see that he was in the in the Olympics roster. But I think that there there are a few other guys that could potentially like step up for the do a good job with the senior national side, and then I don't take that take that experience and uh, I don't go forward with it uh, during Olympic qualifying and also the Olympics. So I think more importantly, I think when it comes to depth, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm happy to see more alternatives given options. I mean, given yeah. chances. What's interesting to me, though, that I was thinking about, and I spoke with Adriana about this a few weeks ago, was um, LA Galaxy season is already over. Antuna was part of the other round of Nations League games. I wonder if, I feel like Jonah probably won't be a part of these. It'd be interesting to see if he is, though, given that they're off season now and he wasn't part of it. And if Tata says he's going to change around players, I wonder if Jonah would be a part of it. I was just thinking about that right now, actually. Yeah, I, I would, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I think that a lot of the time the national team managers with the MLS players, they don't like them having so, so much time off. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's going to be... So So in theory, if they come in in November and then they get, you know, all of December and, and the second half of November off and, you know, maybe the first week or so of January and then get back at it, I mean, that's that's good enough. I mean, yeah. you, you don't have three months you know, three months without playing is a long, long time. So, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think, I think what you said, Cesar, I think that's, that's the Tata idea. I think that um, now until the Olympics, so next summer is going to be, um, it's just, a, I think, I think basically the shakeout is going to come after the Olympics. And then I think after the Olympics, we're going to see what Tata is really thinking, you know, in terms of what his squad is going to look like. Because obviously, I think these November dates is going to use the younger players again, mixed in with some Euro ones. I think next March is going to use, you know, a largely Euro squad, and then I think next June as well, because basically, a lot of these younger players are going to be at the Olympics, so they're not going to be able to, you know, they're not going to be able to play the Nations League final and and the Olympics. So, so I think I think after the Olympics is when we're going to see, you know, Tata Martino kind of analyze, have a look at. I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to think of the top of my head an example. Um, you know, for example, uh, all right, this is extreme, but you know, Chicharito or Macias. You know what I mean? Where are they at? Come, come next September, where's Chicharito at compared to Macias? Where's um, I don't know Alvarado at compared to 
Can't think now. But, you know, an established national team player in, in Europe. I mean, they're dwindling as well, no? I mean, they're a dwindling breed, the uh, the full national team players in Europe. But, um, and, and yeah, that's that's what... But I think he's going to... I think he said he's going to shake it up. So, I mean, you look at it, I don't think Irene Lozano is going to be in the squad. Um, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if Tecatito's not in there. I think basically the European players that were, were in October are not going to be involved. Um, so expect, you know, I think it's, I think it'll be one of Raul Jimenez or Chicharito. Yeah. Uh, Chicharito, I think Raul Jimenez could well be rested again, and Chicharito comes in, um, and then apart from that, you know, I think it's going to be that that young base again. Now that now that the MLS uh, off season is going to be like basically happening, like maybe Tata should go like really really crazy and just like call up like random Mexican Americans. <laughs> from hey, Servando Carrasco, what you up to? Hey, Victor Uyoa. He's, he he's got a baby on the way. He's busy. Oh, that yeah. is true. That is that is true. So he he shouldn't he shouldn't be calling like that kind of like random. <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I like what he's doing a lot. I mean, I don't think it's it's not ideal in terms of. I think he'd prefer this. You know, he said he'd prefer stronger opposition. Um, but it is what it is, and he's making the best of it. And I like the way he's, he is doing that. He's not just kind of moaning and moaning. He makes a point, and he just does with the best with what he's got. And you know, I, I like the plan that he's put in place. Um, and and let's not forget this game. Um, this game in Panama is is not an easy game. It's never ever an easy game away in Central America. Um, and and the way the groups are, are set up, Mexico can't afford to lose it. You know what I mean? So. So, you know, that's going to be a test for the younger players, no doubt about it, because then the home game against Bermuda, um, you know, obviously you expect that that's almost a guaranteed three points, but um, certainly not the not the first one away in Panama. Uh, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, the thing is, like, even if... Me- I mean, I think that even if Mexico gets the draw there, I think that a complete, like, backup of backup of backups will get a result against Bermuda. You know, and Panama, this this is the only game they have left. So best case scenario, Panama can get six points and then they'd be tied with Mexico. And Mexico yeah. essentially just needs a draw against Bermuda. I don't I mean, I don't. Yeah, no, that's true. I, <laughs> that's I think, true, I, honestly, yeah. I'm not I'm, I'm not too worried. I think, yeah, I think you make a good point. You I mean, I think uh, I think not only Mexico, but the U.S. men's national team and any other CONCACAF power has learned in recent years that you can't take anything for granted in the CONCACAF region. But and I know that, yeah, and I know that, uh, you know, an away game against Panama shouldn't be taken lightly. But even even if Panama somehow gets the win, uh, yeah, Mexico... Not, yeah. yeah, they'll be in there. Yeah, I'm no, not I mean, it is what it is. It's it's a tough one. And it's going to be... The other thing, just... I know I'm going on the side, but the, with what's going on with the States, um, it, in some ways, it's not ideal for Mexico. You know, obviously, from a fan point of view, it's kind of funny. I think people find a lot of humour in it. I think from the Mexico fans, no. But in terms of like the competition, I mean, it could be Curacao, Honduras, and um, I, know. I can't remember now. It could be Curacao, Honduras, and then Mexico, and then Canada. That's that's how I think would potentially. You know, after be... these November dates, it could seriously be. Who Tom, is are there? It? <laughs> Tom, are you there? I think it's Canada. I think that's. I think they already qualified. Yeah, Tom, it's Canada. You... Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yes. Yeah. So you've got Canada, 
potentially Curaçao or Costa Rica, Honduras, um, and then Mexico. But I mean, I mean, I don't know. You'd prefer a big game against the States, you know what I mean, at some point in the summer, rather than, you know, a potential one against Canada. No, no offence to Canada, you know what I mean? Or, or I think, I, I think Tom might still be talking, but I think, couldn't you also make the argument, too, that this is just a sign that other CONCACAF teams are starting to step up a little bit? Maybe Canada, like, especially with Canada, I mean... You look at some of those young players they have, and you look at uh, what's his face, Alfonso Davies, you know, who's uh, doing quite well with Bayern Munich. Maybe this is just a sign of other Concacaf teams that maybe we didn't really give them enough credit before in the past that they're maybe benefiting from a competition like this. Because I think in the end, this competition is gonna is more beneficial for weaker Concacaf teams than it is for Mexico and the United States. So maybe what this is just a sign of is like, yeah, we don't, we're not gonna be seeing. Mexico, United States, and final. Maybe that's what's going to potentially going to happen. But maybe this is kind of a good thing because that means the other Concacaf teams are getting better, and it isn't this redundant Mexico, United States, Mexico, United States final or, or matches that we consistently see. Well, I think that kind of goes nah. into the narrative that people don't want to talk about, right? That like this benefits them more than it does a Mexico or a Canada or a USI. Like it's this is this is the whole point of this competition or competitions like it. So while yeah, maybe we don't. Maybe it we don't enjoy it. Tata said it himself. Maybe he wants more aggressive competition. Uh, maybe it could also be entertaining to see these smaller ones like have a strong go of it. Yeah, no, no. Sure, I, sure. I think it definitely got better, and I think they're more organized. Um, but I, I'm not sure about the quality. Um, I'm, you know, I still think there's a big deficiency in the quality compared to say a Mexico, and then a Mexico compared to a Comnibol or. You know, one of the medium UEFA teams, um, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you can do. And the other thing is, the states is just terrible. So I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the others have caught that much. I just think the states are just having an absolute nightmare right now. They just they can't put performances together. Yeah, so hate to see it. You talk about soccer or politics, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> non, 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 non-political me. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about uh, politics. <laughs> What happened um, in Pachuca the other day? What, what um, happened in Pachuca? I was in the stadium, and they had like a anti-abortion ad on the big screen, what? consistently Eek. being shown during the game. Wow! <laughs> it was like it was like you know uh, this could be you, and it was like a fetus, and it was like this oh, could be God. you. Don't don't abort. And I was just thinking, what's going on here? <laughs> I was, this has been loud. That's <laughs> something. I'm here to have a beer and have a, a taco or two and watch a game and I'm being I've got abortion propaganda on the screen. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it though? I don't know, stuff like that in Mexico it's they still got a I mean, you know, either way, you know what I mean? It's not you shouldn't be in the stadium and then and then be kind of I don't know. But sometimes they just uh, it happens, doesn't it? I've seen the same at uh, Tijuana and also so I've seen yeah, like pre adverts and yeah. when there's pre when there's elections and stuff. Yeah, they'll like wave. They'll like they'll have like like a bunch of like volunteers like waving flags and like kind of like and like people will be like honk their horns on the way to the stadium and then they'll be like giving out flyers as you're walking it like into the game and it's it's a little strange and then sometimes you'll be seeing those advertisements on the giant casino like next door to stand these giant political ads and it's just it feels a little strange. It feels yeah. a little odd. Totally yeah, not yeah. where I thought this pod was going to go. I know, right? That that was my <laughs> fault. That was my fault though. Uh, but we 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 gotta be we gotta wrap things up really quickly soon. But uh, really quickly, uh, Amy, 
let's uh, talk about uh, Champions League. For those who didn't get a chance to uh, to watch some of the Champions League today, and maybe what we have to look forward to this week, uh, give us give us a quick little rundown. Yeah, so uh, Napoli obviously got the tie. Uh, Chucky getting another goal. I know there's this weird narrative about like him being questionable with Napoli. I'm not sure like how that's happening, but he got a goal, so that's awesome. Uh, Chelsea versus Ajax obviously became a something. Uh, <laughs> Ajax was up 4-1 and then Chelsea somehow got it together the center backs for Ajax were all over the place and then Edson comes in and why he didn't start I, it was questionable too but he came in and made an instant impact in my opinion I got to, I got a chance to watch like the last 20 minutes of that game and he even stopped like a Pulisic like uh, Pulisic Pulisic I don't know he, he stopped like one of his plays inside the box like late in yeah. the game when they were already tied so that was pretty awesome to see yeah. um, but games to look forward to for tomorrow Atletico versus Bayern obviously uh, Europa League Arsenal versus uh, Vitoria that's more for me but I just like to make that point <laughs> whenever I have a chance Dang, to uh, and got... Menes wouldn't say that and then we've got unnecessary stuff so it's the Amy podcast turning <laughs> into right? the Amy soccer show this. I know right <laughs> Then we got Last versus PSV on Thursday, Rangers versus Porto, and then Wolves versus Slovan, but that's for Europa League. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was pretty excited with what was going on with our Mexicans abroad today. Yeah, I feel like I apparently I missed out on a lot. I didn't get a chance to watch today's games. Apparently I missed out on uh, a lot of exciting stuff. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just talking about the tricky goal. Apparently a lot of stuff happened in that uh, in that Ajax-Chelsea game uh, earlier today. But, uh, I thought he did well, Edson, though, when he came yeah. on. Thought yeah. he did well, you know. I'm not saying he did anything amazing, but he had he had a good shot. Thought he, he used the ball well. Because I mean, it's one of those situations. You're down to nine players. You don't lose the ball. You know what I mean? You get the ball. You know you can't lose it in in your own half. You know. Yeah. And I thought he kind of obviously he was fresher. A lot of the Ajax players looked pretty tired by that point, but I thought he used the ball well. And uh, no, I'm I'm loving I'm loving what he's doing there. I'm loving how he's settling in and and he's looking like. A real player you know when you look when i don't know it's, it's it's kind of you know for us guys who we watch these these players come through you know what i mean and then when you see him you know take into the field in stamford bridge you know your team's down to nine players you know the goal down or whatever i don't know those are the situations that those are the situations that remember when osorio was like you need to challenge everybody the players need to challenge themselves that's the challenge yeah you know you, you go yeah. on cold yeah, it's it's probably absolutely freezing in London right now. You know, you're at Stamford Bridge. The crowd are absolutely on top of you. You know, they're going crazy. They want to get the the goal quickly. They get the goal quickly, and then they're going for the other. And you know what I mean? To to have the kind of I don't know. It's like training your mind. You no, know? if you can deal with those situations when other situations come up, like in the World Cup and stuff, then you're you're perfectly aware of it. Whereas, yeah. you know, maybe you don't get that. It's not the same, is it? It's not to the same degree sometimes in uh, in the Mexican game or, or MLS. Are you yeah. saying that? Are you saying that playing in a Champions League game when you're when you're down? What was it? When you were down two players and you step, you're going to have to stop Chelsea. That's not the same as Mexico going up uh, against uh, Bermuda in Toluca. <laughs> <Later on. laughs> it's 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 like going to Oaxaca on a Tuesday night in the Copa Mikes. <laughs> I think from I think from a I think from a well I guess it goes into the onto the field narrative but I think for Edson I think I've talked about this to death at this point but you know you see this player that just scores an own goal in a World Cup you know absolutely yeah. just 
just in pure, you know, depression after that happened. And then to see him have this kind of turnaround where now he's playing in Champions League and IX is using him for a social media post about just soaking it all in. And, you know, he has that pure raw emotion while the camera's on him. It's it's a fantastic thing to see from a Mexican player. Yeah. And uh, a quick a quick mention as we're continuing to go through the show, just a couple more quick things to go through. Uh, Carlos Vela, MLS MVP, Tom. We could talk about it before the pod. Have have we already like, uh, or have we already talked about this enough? Are we are we are we going to be basically like re- regurgitating everything that everybody has been already been saying about Carlos Vela, or do we need to give him a little bit more recognition for what he's done uh, in Major League Soccer and and what he could potentially do for old three going forward? Right? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, Kata Kata twenty two. I think he could be a big player. You know, <laughs> I think if you look, analyze the position and stuff, he could be. Uh, you know, I laugh. You know what's yeah. interesting about Vela that I find so fascinating is that yeah, he's cut the cord and he's why pe- yeah, it's true. Why people continuously keep asking him about it at this point is like, guys, please. I know I record and also put it on myself when he answers those questions, yeah. but it's also like, guys, please stop asking him that question. But what's really fascinating is that he'll he'll say this, Just... right? Go ahead, Tom. Yeah. No, no, no. Go, go. Oh, no, I was just going to say that it's fascinating that, you know, he's cut the cord, he's accepted, or he said, you know, I made a choice, and it's it's, uh, regardless of what anybody else thinks, this is my personal choice. But then they'll ask him, what's it like to be the first Mexican player to win the the MVP award? And he's like, all I want to do is put Mexico at the top of the world, or, you know, show people that Mexicans are some of the greatest people ever. And so it's kind of like this contradiction, but also kind of this, like, acceptance of what no longer is but still admiring the country his team you know saying he loves what Tata's doing so it's a very interesting yeah. dynamic that you have to kind of see happen with him it's just tough for us to recognize as Mexican national team fans for us to separate that yeah he can still be a huge fan of Mexican soccer he'd still be a huge fan of Mexican culture just and the country where he's from but also be like ah I feel a little weird about a former job that I had that kind of that wants me back I think it's okay to feel that way. I think it's okay uh, for him to kind of feel, and I'm not saying that he like maybe hates the FMF or he hates the national team. Maybe he's just kind of like over it at this point in his life. And maybe he's just kind of like kind of iffy about it. Maybe he kind of wants to come back. It seems like Tata wants him to be a hundred percent committed to the idea. And I think that's the issue is I think Tata definitely wants him to be hundred percent committed to a three and hundred percent committed to the project. And he, maybe he won't bring him back because Vela's kind of like, kind of feeling iffy about it but i think it's just so difficult for us mexico fans for us to be like how can you say you love mexico and feel proud to be a mexican but don't want to you know be a part of the mexican national team i don't know i, yeah, I, and think, I think that i think that's i think that's normal though it is weird you know i don't think there's any doubt about it. it is a weird situation i don't think bella is the the stereotypical player the prototype player you know he just he's just not made up that way. I think that's the that's the pro that's the difference. Um he's just he likes other things and he doesn't really care that much, you know what I mean? Um but that doesn't mean to say he can't do it on the field. And I, I just think it's it's a bit of clickbait as well. I mean, if you put Vela and I, I'm as you know, I'm as guilty ESPN what with what I do, I, I put a story out today, you know. Um and it's just like Vela doesn't close the door and it's like but then he gives an interview to do the NA and it's like he's he's not coming back, you know what I mean? He's not coming yeah. back. But, you know, the interesting thing that I've been thinking about Vela uh, recently, well, it might not be interesting for other people, is that <laughs> there are actually a lot of similarities between Tata Martino and Vela in terms of the careers over the last few years. And 
I don't know, maybe it's worth some writing about it because um, because it's kind of Vela's painted as kind of the you know the the bad guy in a way for not you know for not going with Mexico. But Tata Martino's taken a step. He he's kind of punching below his weight in a way. You know, he went first of all he went to Atlanta when guaranteed he could have gone to Europe. You know, he could have you know he could have gone to a big team, a reasonable at least a good sized team. And after Atlanta, I'm pretty sure he could have gone to a, a, a bigger project in, in a more competitive environment than, than the Mexican national team. But he chose a project that he thought fitted with what he wants to do in terms of sporting-wise, but also in terms of his life, because he wanted to spend more time with his family. And I just think it's an interesting kind of overlap there, because the two, they get on, I think, Tata and, and Vela. I think Vela was saying in an interview that, you know, they text each other and stuff, and, and you know, Vela said basically, whatever you need from me... You want advice? I know that I know the FMF really well. I know how things work in Mexico. Um, just give us a shout, and you know, I think I don't know. It's, it's kind of in, I don't know. I just thought it the other day. It's kind of interesting that you know, whatever criticism you throw at Vela, you could throw at Tata Martino for not, you know, after Barcelona specifically for not going after that uh, another big team in Europe. Now I'm just thinking about clickbait, and now I'm wondering if we should just name this pod episode: "Is Carlos Vela returning to L3?" Question mark. And then <laughs> that's that's... It. Uh, <laughs> Vela returning to Mexico. And then, like, Question in mark. For his vacations. <laughs> <laughs> that, or we can see the, the fascinating tactical battles uh, between Necaxa and Morelia. Tune in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but Amy to all right going now. <laughs> but uh, to to close things out, uh, Amy, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, Olympic qualifying? We got some news regarding uh, the women's Olympic qualifying in the Concacaf region. It's going to be happening in January, although it might be a little tough for Mexico. Oh my God! Yeah, Adrian and I have been waiting for this like maybe since the last tournament ended. Like, when are they finally going to give us? But yes, we finally got the dates for the Women's Olympic qualifiers. The U.S. will be hosting those. So I'm hoping that I'm able to go cover those. But it'll be from January 28th to February 9th. Only two teams qualify for this. I'll save a little, I'll save my, um, like, more in-depth thoughts um, for the Hour of Football pod, which I'm plugging right now because Adrian and I are definitely going to get into this. Um, but it's going to be tough. I mean, it's, it's basically the U.S. plus somebody else. Like to be realistic, right? And and can Mexico really um, qualify and beat everybody else? Given Jamaica qualified for the World Cup and they didn't, you know, Canada's a strong team as well. Um, Costa Rica's also in it, so they can complicate things for them. So it's it's going to be tough. Um, it's going to be really tough. Mexico's going through. The positive part is that Mexico's kind of going through a restructuring, especially with some of the players with the Liga MX Femenil. Uh, like Cesar and I just saw her. Uh, Rene Cuellar and Desiree Montivais, who plays for Monterrey, are being called up and being part of camp. So that kind of, you know, gets you excited. But they're also struggling a lot to be, you know, cohesive when they get together with the national team. So we'll see um, for something more like recent or something coming up, you know, immediately. The, the draw for this for these matches, including the cities that they're going to play in, will be this Thursday at 1130 Pacific time. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Yes, yeah, so that'll be pretty exciting because yeah, we'll we'll figure out the the venues this Thursday. We'll probably get it figuring out the this the the call up for the senior national team. We'll probably like later on this week too. We've got Europa League. We've got we've got more Champions League. And we just we just never get a break, guys. We just <laughs> we never we never get a break when it comes to to this stuff. Even with just Mexican soccer alone, it feels like we're there's always something to to talk about. But I guess that's why we're here, right? To be uh, doing this weekly pod. 
But, uh, guys, I think that's it for us. Uh, Thank you to Tom. Thank you to Amy. Uh, Thanks to our listeners. Uh, Sorry for the delay again on the the episode. Amy and I were in Tijuana yesterday, but as she did mention, we did record a mini episode on uh, Sholos Feminil versus Rayadas. If you wanted to go back and listen to that one, I think it's like a 13 to 14 minute long episode. Cesar Uh, spends a majority of that complaining about how hungry he is. Dude, I was so hungry. (laughs) I was so hungry. There was we couldn't get food before. Tom, we got Tom, we got cu- we got chips in a cup. Did we, we got tell chi- you the press box meal, Tom? Right, the press box oh, meal yeah. was was chips in a cup. Beautiful. Anyway, we'll complain. I'll complain about about Shoal stuff later. But uh, once again, yeah. So so back <laughs> to the pod. Don't forget to give us a rating and review on iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to the pod. Share our pod. And uh, until next time, we'll see you on the next edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. See you guys around.